Hey, everybody, and welcome to today's Strategy Academy Health Pro Heritage Podcast. I'm Christy Smith, VP of Clinical Strategies, and with me today, I have Jason Sasser, VP of Clinical Strategies for our Home Health Division. Hey, Jason. Hey, good morning. How are you? Good, thanks. Welcome back. So Jason and I are back with our seventh installment of our PDGM Clinical Reimbursement Series. Um, So today we're going to be talking about documentation for a deposition, your only defense under value-based care. So I love this topic. We talk about this a lot along the whole continuum of care about defensive documentation, and hopefully it never goes to a deposition, but you always want to have (laughs) that defensive documentation at the ready. So this is a great topic. Right, right. I know probably therapists and clinicians are tired of hearing us talk about it, but this is the number one thing, you know, we have to focus on under value-based care. For sure. So tell me, Jason, why do you feel like health leaders and consultants, we always seem to keep talking about that importance of documentation? Because complete, accurate, and clinical documentation is vital for a number of reasons. Uh, For one, it's used to communicate a patient's history and current story to the staff and provides the evidence of improved outcomes, quality care, and overall improvement. You know, you always heard us say you are what you document. Uh, Your documentation shows shows the quality of the care you give to your patients, and also protects an agency from malpractice and minimizes your risk of take-backs or audits in the future. Additionally, you know, well-organized documentation makes it easier for surveyors to review your agency's care practices and find the information they're looking for quickly and easily. You know, we always ask the question, how does Medicare and other insurance companies know if you're doing what you're billing for? It's absolutely through your documentation. Yep. Preach. Um, You know, so I know that you do a lot of audits. I do a lot of audits in our line of work and consulting. But what are the biggest documentation problems or issues or concerns that you see when you're looking at home health oasises? I would say missing, incomplete and incorrect information would be my top three. Uh, Clinicians, I I feel like clinicians are in a hurry to complete their documentation, which we know that's probably true. Um, To alleviate that issue, though, many EMRs have documentation templates, check boxes, and cloning abilities that offers a fast way to duplicate duplicate data. However, mm. uh, that often enables clinicians to really cut corners, which can lead to inaccurate yep. documentation. So many times, uh, I see misinformation for like past falls or injuries or surgeries. I see clinicians. One of the biggest things I see is overlooking weight loss and nutritional problems within the uh, history and physical, which affects the patient's ability to have energy to participate in functional activities or even heal a wound effectively. Um, In addition, some clinicians have a habit of asking patients if they can do something instead of actually watching them to perform the task. You know, us as therapists, that's our big Uh, Mm no-no. That becomes very evident in functional impairment level and GG scoring, which in turn affects revenue dramatically, and people don't really see that, but it does. Um, Agencies really are, I think, are leaving thousands of dollars on the table of additional revenue by not taking their time and appropriately coding and capturing all the data. Uh, Just to give you an example, um, I have a smaller home health agency who averaged 37 Medicare admits and research last month in June. And of those 37 charts, I found $16,714.56 of revenue they would have left on the table if I hadn't coded coded and corrected their oasis. So that's just a a great example. Wow. Yeah, the duplication thing kind of drives me nuts sometimes, a lot of times, actually, because it always seems that they choose a subpar note to even duplicate. And it's like, then you got repeated, (laughs) repetitive, not great notes. And it's, you know, it's maddening at times when you're doing audits. Um, So OASIS aside, what are some of the trends that you're seeing in general home health notes? Um, 
I see a lot of unskilled treatment practices taking place and repetitive treatment notes. And that's probably one of my, you know, biggest pet peeves as well. Uh, what I mean is that I, that a clinician may be seeing a specific patient for falls and balance and their documentation reflects a treatment plan of sitting exercises and walking. And that's it. Uh, they did nothing to challenge the balance of a patient, nor do they perform exercises adequate to improve muscle strength or affect the balance, such as the Togo standing balance exercises. Um, we have to remember that CMS says that exercising gait alone is not considered skilled uh, by Medicare. CMS actually states services involving activities for the general welfare of any patient, example, general exercise to promote overall fitness or flexibility, and activities to provide diversion or general motivation do not consider constituate skilled care it says that actually non-skilled individuals without the supervision of a therapist can't perform those services so that's kind of scary so i always have to you know when i educate therapists and clinicians i have to say you know you really have to back up what you're doing and prove your worth um and in order for therapy services to be covered one of the following three can three conditions must be met so i want all clinicians to listen listen closely when i tell you this uh number one the skills of a qualified therapist are needed to restore the patient function. Improvement is evidenced by objective, successive measurements. So that's why we always are pushing y'all with our clinical pathways and all, hey, you've got to have objective data. You've got to have tests to measures to show they're actually improving. Uh, number two, the patient's condition requires a qualified therapist to design or establish a maintenance program. That's huge as well. And number three, the skills of a qualified therapist are needed to perform maintenance therapy. We have to remember that therapeutic exercise requires a skill of a qualified therapist to ensure the safety of the beneficiary and the effectiveness of the treatment that con constitutes skilled therapy. Gait evaluation and training is furnished to a patient whose ability to walk has been impaired by neurological, muscular, or skeletal abnormalities requiring the skills of a qualified therapist and constitute skilled therapy are considered reasonable and necessary if they can be expected to materially improve the patient's ability to walk. So I know that was a mouthful, but <laughs> I think it's something yeah. everybody needed to hear. <clears throat> I agree. Now, with that continued focus on documentation, do you think that documentation areas of concern or errors will be a continued rising problem as we continue to move towards more value-based care initiatives in the future? Uh, absolutely on this one. Um, CMS, along with uh, MA plans and private insurance plans, are starting to comb through notes meticulously. Uh, you heard mm -hmm. me mention that repetitive notes are a problem, and I think we're seeing a big denial surge coming with that in particular. Uh, I've always told people and understood it when I've taken defensive documentation classes, your notes should read like a novel. It should be a, you should tell a story in your notes. Um, I should be able to see the progress every week and test the measures to back up that improvement. However, we have the same clinicians doing the same thing repeatedly. I have literally mm -hmm. seen where clinicians have copied and pasted their previous note into the current treatment. And, and, you know, it's been that way through the entire continuation of the plan of care, which I, and, and it's funny because they're like, how do you know I did that? I'm like, cause you misspelled a word <laughs> and it's the same misspelled word on every note. Like I'm catching you, like you're setting yourself up. Um, mm -hmm. And I want to say, you know, and I'm, I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just, I'm a realist. I'm like, how lazy is that? Uh, for one, they're not providing a skilled treatment and they're showing no progress on our documentation testing with their measures. Um, so guess what happens when auditors see that? And you guessed it. Uh, they will deny every visit from the first repetitive and copied note. And I've literally seen right. that take place. Um, I've had some agencies that's under third, their third round of target pro and educate. And that's the reason why, because they copy and pasted. Um, I've really had to have some heart to heart talks with therapists and nurses 
about supervising their assistants more thoroughly and letting them know what they actually expect. In addition, um, you know, setting realistic goals and performing tests and measures upon the start of care to carry the patient forward and actually show improvement is vitally important as well. If your assessment and plan of care is poor, well, what do you honestly expect your assistants or your therapist treating forward to actually, you know, improve on? Um, the initial evaluation and start of care literally sets the stage for either improvement or failure of the patient. Um, mm-hmm. That is some hard truth to swallow, but I said what I said, and it is what it is. You know? <laughs> I said what I said. Yeah, I mean, it really, you set the stage, as you know, when you go out there and you start the plan of care in the Oasis. Um, yeah. You would also be surprised how many therapists in particular are stuck in the way they've treated for 20 or 30 years. Yeah. You know, we've talked about that as a group team, too, um, and that every visit under value-based care has to bring value, uh, especially under the new payment reform system. Um, it's really a daily battle I fight, and I'm glad to say that most have an awakening and see what I'm talking about with some education and application. Um, moreover, uh, that's really our job here at Health Pro Heritage right. and Clinical Strategies. Uh, we have a great le- leader, you know, <laughs> Hillary Foreman. She challenged us to bring initiative, new ideas, and best practices to the table for clinicians. Um, and they can actually be confident that we have actually researched everything and we use only evidence-based practices and white paper studies to vet everything we ask them to do. Uh, that is how we developed and why we developed the clinical pathways for home health in particular for PDGM was to actually help clinicians on evidence-based treatment practices and treatments going forward. Uh, we give the clinician a template to achieve improved quality and outcomes. If they just follow what we've outlined for them, you know, they're going to show improvement. And we have to remember that healthcare is always changing and we have to be willing to change right. as clinicians as well. Well, and the other thing too, is that they're always looking on ways to cut spending. And I just feel like having great supportive documentation that shows the medical necessity and the skill being provided really is protection and preservation of our profession. Exactly. You know, so that's just the number one reason right there in and of itself to be able to continue to provide these necessary services to our patients and be able to stay above water while doing it because we have to be able to provide them. So I think that's a really great point that you made. So mm-hmm. love it. <clears throat> um, how can clinicians change their bad habits and practices and, you know, overall improve their documentation? Yeah, I would say number one, uh, be willing to realize that none of us are perfect, even myself. Um, and can always have room for improvement. I always love to be educated. Uh, you know, we provide great education through our monthly clinical strategies and education webinars. Uh, we provide great, you know, pre-recorded webinars through Health for Heritage and uh, CU 360. And just listening to podcasts like this as well, just to kind of get informed on what's going on, and, you know, and be up to par with what everything in payment reform. Um, we've done other things to kind of help clinicians out. Like this week, me and Rebecca Rambo did an Oasis walkthrough that actually helps you answer Oasis questions more effectively and accurately. Um, In addition, making sure that you're taking new classes every year for your continuing education uh, for your uh, particular license that you hold. Um, And then I would say, too, becoming more involved in your state healthcare associations and our national associations, such as APTA, OTA, and ASHA, and NOC. Uh, And finally, just self-education on your own, whether it's just, you know, reading some journals, articles. uh, I follow some therapy-focused Instagram influencers. You'd be so surprised what you can learn from (laughs) other people that are fresh out of school. Um, Mm -hmm. And then also, you know, going to our Health for Heritage blogs as well. We try to, you know, give you the most pertinent and up-to-date information. Um, I always say this when I talk to people, you have to be willing to think outside the box and initiate the change that you want to see. I would want to be the best I could be, not only for myself, but for my current and future patients that I'm going to see. I could definitely rest easy at night knowing I I gave the absolute best care that I have given to my patients and they were getting better. Yep. Thousand percent agreed. Well, 
all amazing points. Thank you so much, Jason, for your expertise once again. Hopefully you all found this helpful and that you can try to enhance a little bit of your defensive documentation. Always, if you have any questions, you can reach out to um, our email at strategypodcast at healthpro-heritage.com. And please tune in for our next installment of our last episode of the PDGM reimbursement series, episode eight, Getting a Seat at the Table, How ACO and BPCIA Partnerships Are Essential. Yeah. Jason, thank you again. Oh, thank you. Have a good day. Thanks, everybody.